You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Listen, Jesus never held back, like, for example, in speaking with Nicodemus. Think about who he was addressing here. This is a Pharisee. He was supposed to represent all that was good concerning Israel in their relationship with God. This Pharisee. But he didn't hold back. In John's Gospel in chapter 3 and verse 3, he says, Unless a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. There have been lots of people through time who have said that you don't need to follow God's rules about getting to heaven. They have a better way, and it has way less personal cost than God's way. It's the same today. Name it and claim it, easy believism and many others. But as Pastor Michael teached today, you can see in the Bible that from Abraham's time, the most important person to satisfy is God. Doing things his way, and you're in. Decide to do things the way you want, and you'll end up in outer darkness. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis, chapter 21, as he continues his message, What Makes God Laugh? There was no way that Abraham could have a child at that age. You fill in the blanks. I don't want to embarrass anyone here. So although it was impossible with men, it's not impossible with God. Because God is sovereign. And he does whatever he wants to do in this universe. Okay, so what do we take away from this? Personally, let's bring this down to personal terms. Well, what he did for Abraham and Sarah, he will also do for you. He'll work miracles in your lives. And yes, your situation may be altogether different than was Abraham and Sarah's, but he has a plan. And your life is in his hands. And you, you can be sure of this, you are absolutely just as important to him as was Abraham and Sarah. And throw this into the mix as well. It's never too late for God to work. Think about Moses, for example. Here's a classic example of this. Moses, when he was first commissioned by God, was 80 years old out there in the wilderness when God spoke to him out of that burning bush. 80 years old. When he was commissioned to go and stand before the most powerful man in the universe, Pharaoh at that time, the king of Egypt. And then Abraham is 100 years old here when his wife Sarah gives birth 
to the child of promise, Isaac. And by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but according to chapter 25 and verse uh, 7, Abraham goes on to live another 75 years. So he's 175 years when God calls him home. So the point is, is that God may still have an important work for you and for me to do. You just never know. But you might be thinking at this point, I'm too old. I'm in my 70s now or whatever. And life has passed me by. I blew it. I'm not up to the task. Hey, listen, if God is calling you, I don't care who you are or how old or how young you are, if God has called you, he'll give you the strength and the capacity to do what he's calling you to do. And by the way, think about this as well. I don't know if you knew this. Here's another bit of trivia. Abraham went on to father six other children. We are given that information in chapter 25 in verses 1 and 2. After Sarah's death, he takes another wife, a gal whose name was Keturah, chapter 25 in verses 1 and 2. And she bore him six more children. Come on, are you kidding me? So God is all-powerful. But then the third reflection and testimony of Abraham and Sarah is this. God is in no hurry to carry out his promises, and there is a set time for their fulfillment. Go back to verse 1 of our text. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. So, okay, there's a set time for that which God has promised in the fulfillment of those things. He first promised Sarah and Abraham, that son of promise, back in chapter 17 and verse 21, then again in chapter 18 and verses 10 and 14, but that was a while ago. But now the promise is fulfilled, neither early or too late, at the very time that God had planned and promised. I think of, and I'm just sharing this out of my own personal experience and talking with other Christians, particularly in counseling, I think one of the hardest things in our Christian experience is when we face what seems to be delays in God's actions, whether it's some personal thing that God has said to our hearts and, or maybe some general promise that's recorded in the Word, and we're waiting, we're waiting, and we're waiting, and it seems like he's delaying that which he promised. But you know what? The truth of the matter is that's only our impression. That's not the truth. It may be a promise for healing. It may be a promise for companionship, some financial comfort, or whatever. And usually we respond by crying out, "Uh, God, uh, I'm praying over here. Haven't you heard my prayers? Come on. We're so wimpy, aren't we? We have our little pity parties and stuff. We fume, we fret, and then we set out sometimes to work out the answers for ourselves. Well, we saw how that worked out for Abraham and Sarah with Hagar and Ishmael, right? But we need to simply trust God. We need to just simply wait upon him. Okay, now, can I change gears on you here for a moment? I want to draw your attention to something that I think is also very important. Remember in the introduction to this series... Going back now a couple of months. How long have we been in this book of the Bible, you think, Patty? Huh? Three months? Probably even longer than that. But remember in the introduction to this book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, I had mentioned that this particular book of the Bible 
is filled with all of these types and analogies. And here, in this section of the book of Genesis, Isaac becomes a type of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that brings us to our second and our final point, and that is Isaac and Jesus. And I'm going to share with you many of those similarities and types. The many similarities and parallels between Isaac and Jesus here in this book of the Bible. For example, and if you're taking notes, write this down. The first of which, Isaac and Jesus, think about this, are both promised seed and sons to come. And both's arrivals was looked forward to, as we are fully aware of here in the book of Genesis as it relates to Isaac. But like, for example, think about all of the prophetical announcements in the Old Testament concerning the Christ who was to come, the anointed one. For example, probably the most familiar of all of them is Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it, with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so both arrivals was looked forward to. Secondly, another parallel and similarity between the two, Isaac and Jesus, that is, there was a period of delay between the promises and the fulfillment. As it relates to Isaac, it was between, we're not exactly sure about this, some 20 and 30 years from the first promise given to Abraham and Sarah to the fulfillment and the birth of Isaac. For Jesus, it was a couple of thousand years, though. So again, a period of delay between the promise and fulfillment. So do you see the similarities in the parallels there? Thirdly, the next similarity is found in the announcements to their mother. Now, we've already established the fact that Sarah was like, mocking at the promise that was made concerning the birth of Isaac. But think about Mary, when the angel Gabriel had announced that she was going to give birth to the Savior. In Luke's Gospel, in chapter 1, and verse 34, she responded by saying, how will this be since I am a virgin? So once again, doubt. So another similarity in the announcements to their mothers. How about another similarity or parallel between them? Both names are symbolic, and they were given before either was born. We've already mentioned how that Isaac literally means laughter. God told Abraham to name that child even before he was born, Isaac, which means laughter, according to chapter 17 and verse 19. And then Jesus, the name Jesus literally means save his people from their sins, which, of course, indicates his ministry and why he was sent into the world. Matthew's Gospel in chapter 1 in verse 21. So there you have another similarity. How about this one? Their births occurred at the appointed time, at the exact appointed time. We've already established Isaac, but as it relates to Jesus, here's a cross-reference for you. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness 
of the time had come, at the very moment that Jesus needed to be born, God sent his son into the world. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Here about another similarity. Both births required a miracle. Think about Jesus. Think about Mary's conception without the benefits of a human father. Talk about a miracle. And then how about Abraham? With Abraham, it involved restoring his reproductive capacities. A miracle. You see the similarities between the two? Then surrounding the birth, there is great joy. In Luke's Gospel in chapter 1, we've already seen how Sarah responded. She's rejoicing. She's laughing. She's filled with laughter. But surrounding the birth concerning Jesus, there was great joy as well. Luke's Gospel in chapter 1, verses 46 and 47. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. In chapter 2 of that same gospel, in verses 10 and 11, then the angel said to them, that is the shepherds tending to their flocks by night, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Verse 11, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the Savior was born, God was now with us, and if you know Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior, your Savior from sin, then you can understand this joy and share in it. We laugh in the joy of our salvation, don't we? Which brings us to one last comparison, and now I'm going to ask you to put on your thinking caps here for this one, okay? Also, Isaac's birth... And the new birth, that is, our being born again of the Spirit of God, is necessary if you or I are to be saved and enter into God's kingdom. And I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bible to the book of Romans in chapter 4, because I'm going to be referencing that entire text, and I'm going to be going back and forth. So please open your Bibles to the book of Romans in chapter 4, if you would. Verses 18 through 25. Okay? And let me read that for you. Who contrary to hope, in hope, believed. He's referring to Abraham here. So that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about 100 years old, and to the deadness of Sarah's womb. So she had already gone through menopause. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Okay, so what are we talking about here? Similarities, parallels. What are we talking about here? Well, think about this. I want you to notice the words. Go back to Romans chapter 4. It was credited to him, that is Abraham. Also, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will impart righteousness for us who believe in him, 
who raised Jesus from the dead. You see, this all surrounds the birth of Abraham. But doesn't this also sort of relate to the promise of the new birth and believing in the possibility of being born again of the Spirit of God? Notice he goes on, for us who believed in him who raised Jesus from the dead, who was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Romans chapter 4. Now the language of these verses, yes, may be difficult, but its main points are evident. Okay, so let me do some of the work for you. Isaac's birth was humanly impossible. And so it is with the new birth, right? Think about it. Remember the discussion between Jesus and Nicodemus? His response is, how can a person, shall he enter into his mother's womb a second time? It's an impossibility. So think about it. So was Isaac's birth. It was humanly impossible. The parents' bodies were dead so far as their ability to produce new life. You see, this is precisely what the Bible teaches about our ability to regenerate or save ourselves. Remember in the book of Ephesians in chapter 2, when Paul gives us that chapter in contrast, what we were before Christ and now what we've become in Christ, and thinking about our B.C. days before Christ, he says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, he reminds us, we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. That is, before our conversion experience, before our being born again, inviting Christ to become the Lord and Savior of our lives. Oh, how we need to preach this message today. Yes, it may be insulting, offensive to man's human nature, but think about it, people need to know that they're drowning in their sin. They need to realize and recognize their need for a Savior. And if we don't tell them, who's going to tell them? If the church doesn't tell them this, who in the world is going to tell them? Listen, Jesus never held back, like, for example, in speaking with Nicodemus. Think about who he was addressing here. This is a Pharisee. He was supposed to represent all that was good concerning Israel in their relationship with God this Pharisee, but he didn't hold back. In John's Gospel in chapter 3 and verse 3, he says, unless a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. He didn't shrink from his responsibility. He didn't share some feel-good, I'm okay, you're okay kind of a message, which bounces around the churches today. Hey, you know what? Jesus loves you just the way you are. You don't have to clean up your act. Sin isn't an issue with God. It's all about prosperity. It's all about God fulfilling your desires. And, you know, rub the magic land. Jesus is our genie. He's our spiritual Santa Claus. Give me a break. There's no mention of sin or the human condition. It's just feel-good messages. I'm okay. You're okay. Hey, listen. Abraham believed God's promise of his son because he was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Isn't that exactly what it says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 21? That is, he knew the power had to come from above, even as the power must come from above for us to be born again, to be accepted and received of God, to be forgiven of our sin. This is what Jesus meant when also, as he continues in this discussion, 
with Nicodemus in John 3, 5. He says, unless a man be born of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And then going back once again to the book of Romans. Are you still there? Romans chapter 4. It also shows us why salvation is like this. That is, it must come from above, that it's all of God, that all the glory might be given to God and not sinful man. Listen, Abraham was no different than any of us. And I hope that you've already come to that determination. We've seen Abraham's highs and his lows. We see him stand on the promises of God and exercise great faith in God, but then at other times he shrinks from standing on the promises of God. For example, encouraging his wife Sarah to lie about her identity because he was concerned about his own skin and being killed so that others might take Sarah as... Is that, is that my wife calling? Okay, so whoever phone that is, take the time out. Just whoever that is, shut it off. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay, here we are. Okay. It's okay. Don't feel funny about it. Just shut it off. It's okay. It happens. All right. So anyway, um, if it was possible for Abraham to bear that son on his own, he would have taken the credit for it. You can be sure of that because that's just human nature. We would have, we, you know what? If we were Abraham in that condition, if it was possible for us to do anything about it, you know, we would have taken the credit for it. But the glory was all God's here. Let me give you a cross-reference. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 1, in verses 28 and 29, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And one of those things is just simply preaching the gospel. It's just the message of the cross. Oh, it's despised by people. They mock at it. They say, how could someone who died produce life in another person? They mock at the idea of the cross, the death of Jesus Christ, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. That's it right there. The glory was all God's. So Romans tells us that these events in the life of Abraham were not written for him alone, but they also apply and relate to you and to me. Why? Because they were written for us, for our admonition, that we might believe, according to Romans chapter 4, and have the righteousness of God accredited to us as even it was accredited to Abraham. Romans chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. So do you see the similarities between the two? That we, like Abraham, might live by faith. That you might believe in the God who does miracles in the lives of those who come to Him. In my Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house Where I long to be Oh my You've been listening to Pastor Mike Fenizio here on In My Father's House he is working his way through the book of Genesis. If you were blessed by today's message and want to pass along the blessing, you can find a link to give to the ministry on our website, harvestnyc.org. We have so much available to you there, 
including many audio messages and links to streamed messages. We stream every Sunday and Thursday service. Once again, that's harvestnyc.org. Another way to pass along the blessing is to share the messages with someone else. Maybe God put someone on your heart today as you listened. You can send them the links as well. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. We're easy to find, with access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. But if you're from another part of the country or world, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. There is nothing more beautiful than the global body of Christ. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our podcast for daily doses of the word. Just go to Spotify and search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. And then just click follow. Well, we have filled our time for today. Come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than In My Father's House with you.